Walking the water burger. Beautiful day, beautiful day. I take pride in everything I put out. To give you all the flavor that you need. Fresh meat, fresh vegetables. Awesome job, awesome. When you smile and make somebody's day, at least they come out the place a little better than how they came in. When I see a roof with orange stripes, I feel like I'm at home. There's a lot of pride in every water break. Lazada Beats in Blood podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on all other major platforms. Welcome to the Lazada Beats in Blood podcast. I am your host, Lazada. And in this podcast, we always stick around for the double feature. We refill our buckets of popcorn, take a break to stretch our legs, and hurry back to our seats just after intermission. Too rough? Mm-mm. So give me your top five horror movies of all time. Top five? Top five. Okay. Top five horror movies at sea. Number one, The Conjuring. Conjuring. Okay, number two, mm-hmm. Witch. Witch. But with the two Vs. Okay. Witch. Witch. Number three. Hold on, I'm thinking. Thinking. Ooh, this is a toughie. Nightmare on Elm Street. Number four. Is it a horror though? It's it's um, village. The village. Is it? Is that? Technically? Yeah, I can I can I can see that as a horror movie, kind of. Okay, and then I don't know if this is also technically, but nope. Nope's good. So I don't know if yeah. that's also a horror. Okay, I would say that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I am your host, Blazada. And this is Zelda. And we are here to talk about satanic Hispanic. Satanic Hispanics. Uh, so this is a movie that we really wanted to get into and discuss because Zelda was the one who first told me about it. And uh, before we begin, um, if you listen to the last episode, we discussed Juaceta the Bone Woman, and we both really enjoyed that movie. And for this movie, Satanic Hispanics, I think it's safe to say that we are divided a little bit in terms of our review of the movie. Um but Zelda, first off, um, can you tell me how you first heard about the movie? So this movie I started hearing about um, on the socials. And so um, it's the trailer that was out everywhere um, for his Satanic Hispanics. And it was being advertised as a, a, a bunch of short stories that were mushed into one um, and a, a bunch of Latino short stories that were um, mushed into one. And they were going to do a limited theater release, which was exciting. Yeah. Which we actually kind of missed the theater release because yeah. it was so short. So we wanted to see it in the theaters, but I think um, by the time 
we heard about it together, it already exited the movie theaters or yeah. we, we missed that short window of time because it was a limited release. Um, and I think it had a premiere um, on Shutter, like a midnight premiere, which is usually reserved for movies that are independent and that are not for the mainstream. So already there is already some buzz about this movie. So we finally watched it a few weeks ago. And as of today's date, today is November 30th. It has a 91% rating uh, on Rotten Tomatoes from 33 critics. And the audience score is at 44%. Uh, so that's there's a big difference there, yeah, right? That's a huge difference. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll let you take the lead on this one, Zelda, because this is a movie that um, that you were most excited about. Um, so having watched it recently, can you set up the basic premise of, of the plot? And yeah. Take so it I liked it. I, I really appreciated the movie and I would recommend it. I'd recommend it. Um, it was really good. Um, so it starts off with, um, the cops going into a murder scene Ooh. in a building. There's a lot of people dead everywhere and it looks like they're investigating and they see um, someone who appears dead, but they're not dead. And they have a gun and they raise their gun. <clears throat> the cops start shooting at it. And this happens repeatedly a little bit. It's just like, you can't believe why this guy isn't dead yet. Yeah, it looks like it's a corpse um, that is chained to a wall. And like the cops are approaching with their weapons. And all of a sudden, this corpse like raises its arms with its gun pointed to the cops, and they start firing at it. And like the the hand falls, and then he looks dead. Yeah, it was real strange. And then again, it pops up <laughs> like he raises his arm, and they they keep firing at it. And then again, it falls, and then it happens a third time, and they really fire upon it. But then they notice something, right? So the they follow the the chain. So his hand is chained. Um, they follow it and it's chained to another man, like the only survivor there. Mm -hmm. And when the cops see the survivor, he immediately tries hacking off his own hand, like with a, a big old butcher knife. Like he's trying to escape mm -hmm. um, from there. So it was pretty gory already in that, in that area. Yeah, this all takes place in the story in the city of El Paso, Texas. Um, so already there's, you know, some interest that I have in this movie specifically because it is based in Texas and we're both based out of San Antonio. Um, and the cast is, um, in the, in the first setup of the story is featuring the lead, a Hispanic male lead, which is really cool. We rarely see that in a lot of movies. And the movie does go back and forth, um, with English and Spanish and mm -hmm. subtitles, uh, mainly English. It's, it's not all, um in Spanish, but it has several directors. Let me just get into that real quick. So um, the directors of the short films that are in it are Alejandro Bruges, Mike Mendez, Demian Rugna, Eduardo Sanchez, and Gigi Sal Guerrero. That's good pronunciation. Nice. Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> we are not uh, fluent Spanish speakers, so please forgive us if we mispronounce anything because it's bound to happen. Um, but it did release in theaters September 14th of 2023 in a limited screening. Uh, the movie's about an hour and 45 minutes in length, and it's distributed by Iconic Events, uh, co-produced by Epic Pictures. And um, it's rated R. Uh, it's definitely not for kids. It is gory. Yeah, uh, because of bloody violence and gore and some sexual uh, material. But 
Um, okay, so we're back in the police station, right? Yeah, so this also, this is just like full of spoilers. So, um, Oh yeah, spoiler alert. If you are wanting to see this, you might want to pause the podcast and come back to it right about here. Right. Yeah. And the so the main thing is this the survivor, right? So he's they they're calling him the traveler. He's getting interrogated because um he's the only survivor mm-hmm. out of this like massacre. So they're trying to to figure out what happened. And because he's in a police station, they did some research about like with his prints and stuff, and it was weird because they found a lot of mug shots that were really old. So that doesn't make sense because it would place him like in different um, different areas and then also like different ages. Yeah, so they, they find a, a mugshot of him and dating back to the 70s and he appears to be the same age. Yeah. And so they're trying to piece together who this guy is. They're thinking it's a mistake or fraud or something. So mm-hmm. they're already interrogating him, um, basically thinking he's lying about who he is. So um, he starts, they're starting to ask him questions if he knew anybody there, like that got murdered. And he started to um, go into the first story, which is um, somebody that he did know there. And then it, it started moving into that um, story. And that was um, this man who it, it looks like he is going to join a competition for like a Rubik's cube. Mm-hmm. Um and he's showing off his his home because there's a part of his home that's haunted. Yeah, so he's he's a skilled Rubik's cube um, enthusiast, and he's talking to someone over the phone, telling them in Spanish that he has this algorithm that he uses to um, to solve the Rubik's cube, and he's going to use that when he goes in this competition. Um, but he uses the same technique uh, as an algorithm to. Um, to interact with the other side with the spiritual world he uses a flashlight and he uh, very creepily whispers this algorithm to himself and he's he's there with someone in this house and he's whispering to himself like in spanish like so it's real creepy i think he's trying to tell himself or like say out loud or whatever like yeah. like left right left left left, left right, right 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 like the what he would be doing to solve the Rubik's Cube. And he's doing this with a flashlight and pointing it down the hall of his house towards a room. And there's a, a podcast, uh, funny enough, a podcaster there with him uh, who's watching what he's doing. And then as he's moving the flashlight quickly back and forth, we quickly see a glimpse of a, a dead person down the hall. And this this freaks this person out. So he, the, he got the attention of the podcaster because he's trying to tell him that there's a um, haunted part of his home, which is that hall. Mm-hmm. So the guy freaks out, leaves, and then later on, he he ends up coming back later, later in the story. But um, before that, this guy was in his kitchen and he was talking to somebody, I think it was like a sister or somebody about going to that Rubik's Cube um, competition or mm-hmm. something. And he gets freaked out because he sees something under the table. Yeah, this this so right away when we when uh, we see the character sitting at his table he looks down for a second and it catches it caught us both off guard because it's it's a really creepy face of something right by his leg and he jumps up and then zelda and i both screamed when we saw this because it was so sudden this is like highlight jump scare of the movie yeah it's it's the one that really showed it um showed that it was going to have that intensity throughout it but it's a it's a really convincing animatronic. It's a puppet that they use to, um, or at least someone in a puppet suit, 
there's no CGI in the movie as far as we know, but it was really effective in creating this creepy scene. So it freaked this guy out. He he broke his fingers or something, and it's the fingers that he uses to for the algorithm or right. the Rubik's cube or yeah. whatever. So he can't perform that same algorithm now. And this thing is like a like a torso with like an eye missing another eye with like snake He's all intestine yeah. kind of thing that's like crawling, maybe like one arm kind of thing. So he takes a picture of this thing with his phone, but it, the thing doesn't attack him. It's just slowly there. So he takes a picture of it and he steps away from it and then he throws a blanket over it and the thing doesn't really budge. It's yeah. just kind of there slithering. So that um, that podcaster comes back right at right at this moment. So he goes to see what the guy wants and the guy told him basically like I freaked out I left because when you were doing the algorithm in the hall I saw my mother and he was like I ran home and my mother had passed away and so he was like I came back because I need you to do whatever you did again so I can say goodbye to my mom and that um I think she was trying to tell me something. And he was like freaked out already because he saw the creature and he was like, no, I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. And this guy's like begging him. So the podcaster tells him, I really need you to help me. I need you to do this thing again. And the main character begrudgingly agrees to do that, right? So he takes the towel off of that bloody figure, which is now crawled into his kitchen. And he slowly reveals this ugly, ugly thing that's on the floor. This like crawling carcass <laughs> and then what so that the gentleman who he's with tells him something or he says what he yeah, says so he's begging him that he wants him to you know do it again and then he saw that he see the podcaster sees the creature and he immediately like goes to it to embrace it and he is saying that it's his mom it's, it's like this weird creature and he's like hugging it and calling it mama and the so the guy is freaking out and he doesn't know what to do. And he's already knowing he did something wrong and he needs to close whatever portal he opened. So he starts doing with his injured, like broken fingers, he starts doing the algorithm again mm-hmm. to close whatever he did. Well, in that instance, like both of them disappeared. Like the creature, the guy hugging the creature, the podcaster guy, they just like exploded into guts into a million pieces like it, it was really blood everywhere all blood on the walls and it's it's kind of, it's funny because it's so um like microwave explosion yeah <laughs> it's so unap- unapologetic in in the use of its blood and he the guy the main character is kind of shell-shocked at this point um now the ending of this chapter leaves left me a little bit confused i think he goes outside and because he's freaked out he goes outside and he was still trying to call like his sister or whatever to say what happened. Yeah. And then he looks inside and he sees like himself, like another creature or himself, but like an evil version of himself. And he's all shirtless and he's bloody. Yeah. And he doesn't know what to make out of this. But then something happens. So it like goes back to the beginning, like when he was first showing somebody um, that algorithm and he saw like an old lady face. In the mirror, yeah, or something. it's unclear. It, it didn't make a lot of, um, it didn't connect a lot or finish anything at the end of that chapter. But then it goes back into the traveler who 
is at the police station. Yeah, and so this chapter was called uh, Tambien Lo Vi. Yes, okay. Um, and so we're going to be, as we go through these chapters, uh, we're going to say, you know, what each of them, each of those chapters is called. But Tambien Lo Vi was the first one, which I really liked. And that was that one had like the highlight, like jump scare yeah. out of the whole movie, the, the really good the one. The one that made us both freak out. Um, and then he starts talking about, because they... They were telling he was the traveler was trying to tell the the detectives some information so they'd let him go. So he's like, if I tell you some information, will you let me go? And they were like, Well, you're gonna tell us about vampires? And he's like, Yes, I am. And so um, the the next chapter was El Vampiro, which is, I mean, it was it was kind of cheesy. It was it was cheesy, a little love story, but it. It was it was supposed to be cheesy, funny, kind of, so not the, so much spooky. Yeah, so I was I was personally disappointed in this chapter because the setup was vampires, not we're obviously both big fans of vampire and lore, but this one was um, meant to be lighthearted and goofy and fun. So it's the setup is that there's this older vampire who's in the middle of a town, having recently drained the blood of a victim, and the sun is about to rise. Yeah, and his familiar calls him up on the phone and basically berates him for being out so late and uh, berating him for forgetting that it's daylight savings time and the sun is going to come up sooner. And he starts to get worried about making it back in time before he dissolves into dust. I think they okay. So um, some of the cheesy aspects of it is it's Halloween. The vampire man is dressed like a like fancy a vampire. vampire. Yeah. And then people in the town like make little comments that they don't like Halloween, and so um, they make little comments at him because he's all dressed up. Yeah, so he's he gets um, he's trying to run home. Basically, he doesn't. He's trying to turn himself into a bat, and so he see him flapping his wings and trying to jump. And oh it's, yeah, because he forgot it was daylight savings. Yeah, so he's trying to do this, and it's uh, it's meant to be funny, but I don't really think it's that funny. Like he tried to hypnotize. Um, some I think were, there were cops that found him. Yeah, and he was uh, having a hard time doing it to both of them. So they would go in and out and in and out of being hypnotized. Yeah, it was, it was pretty silly. It, it was really cringe. Yeah, like for me because they were trying to be really um, lighthearted and really silly, but it just it didn't land well for me. Like he got uh, blood splatter on his little Halloween blouse. Oh yeah, and he was right. using like a Tide pin. To to rinse out this big old blood splatter, and it was all over his, his blouse, and he was like, "I I can't do this," and he just <laughs> tossed it. Um, but it does have a love story aspect to this one, right? So the the woman that comes for him, she like risks her life to go get him in the car because he can't drive. He can't drive. He can't fly. He wandered too far, and like he even tried to take someone's scooter, or he did take someone's scooter. He did to try. <laughs> to try to get home, and it's this big man on a on a small scooter kind of joke, but I don't know. It doesn't land for me. So the lady picks him up, and they they run into like traffic, like early morning traffic, and they need to hide. So they go into a dumpster, and then they realize that the dumpster is not going to block out yeah. all the light. The so. sun is the sun is rising, and the sun is peeking in, so they're about to be vaporized. They're just giving like their. I love I love yous and you mean so much to me and I'm sorry is kind of thing. So it it gets really sweet and it's a sweet little story. Yeah. Um but again I didn't I didn't like this one in, in particular because it was just too silly for me. Not enough seriousness, I guess. It was it had some cheese. It was it wasn't like the first chapter and you can clearly see 
um, the differences in the director's yeah, I, stories. That's very true. Um, the first one was meant to be played straighter as a serious, you know, grisly, sinister story, and this one was just fun, funny. Yeah. Um, but we go back to the police station again, and the traveler is further exploring um, his history. And this one kind of sets up uh, the next chapter really well because the detectives find a bunch of trinkets on him on his person, and one of them is a vial of blood. Yes, and he talks about what like they were like, what is this? What does it mean? And he had like a chicken foot and like a bullet and I think like a ring or something. Um, but he starts saying how he came across a little vial of blood. And that one gets has a lot of promise of being really spooky because there's like a there's a story happening that you don't know what's going on. There's a like a dead man on a horse that some other man is pulling. This one is entitled uh, Nahuales, and it's um, what's Nahuales mean? I don't really know. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> but as uh, it's set up in um, in Colombian. Uh, in Southern America, and as Zella just mentioned, it's um, we see this man walking with a horse, and on top of the horse is a dead body, and he goes to his home, and he sees someone outside of his home who's staring at him, and he quickly runs inside, he grabs his shotgun, and he he gets a phone call from a mysterious caller, and he tells him, you know, I gave you all the information you needed, you have to get me out of here tonight, because uh, people are after me, right? And the, it sounds like CIA is on the other line and they're telling him we can get you up, but not until tomorrow. So there's like some backstory there that you don't know really yeah. what's going on. But he sounds like he's like some sort of politician with a deal or yeah. something where his family has has gone or was protected or not protected or something like mm-hmm. that. But in the meantime, there's like this creature that he was running from, like mm-hmm. from the beginning, like with, that's why he had a corpse on a horse. He's trying to get away from it. But that creature person you don't know who it is is in the window and he freaks out and he he tries to run out of the house i think he has like a he has a machete or a gun or something yeah he has a shotgun uh the name of the character is de la cruz and it's set in uh caramaco mexico um and so he has information on this drug pin drug lord and he's um surrounded then by these men who try to enter their his home and they do get in so there's three of them Mm -hmm. um when he meets him outside and one of them looks like an animal, like not doesn't look like an animal. They're, they're acting like an animal, like all wild and like yelling and dirty. Yeah. And then the other two, they they kind of look like they're they know each other or they're brothers or something. And um, they tell him this. This one is in Spanish, like with subtitles. Mm-hmm. And they tell him we're going to take you to see mother or something like that. Yeah. And so she is a bruja or she is this. A uh, spiritual woman with a mysterious staff, and when uh, the main character de la Cruz sees her, he, first of all, he's he's being held captive by the men, and his arms are spread apart. And she starts to approach him, and she's chanting, and she's summoning the, something into her spirit. Um, and it's really creepy and really effective the way that they made her look. You know, when I first saw this trailer, uh-huh. I thought that this was going to be La Llorona. Oh yeah, because they showed. This bruja, this the the witch lady. Though, yeah. um, they showed her walking and moaning like the yeah. oh, but she was chanting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I saw this story, I was like, oh, it's not La Llorona. It's mm-hmm. this. Um, she was like a witch in the forest with yeah. like a 
like a staff that had um, either jingles on it or um, she was very decorated and she had um, like a, a like a halo crown mm-hmm. made out of things from the earth. Yeah, so they call her Madre Tierra. And so she's um, telling him that he was wrong to summon her power or to misuse the power, right? So it looks like she had a deal with him because mm-hmm. she was he was upset with her and calling her obscenities and saying that she promised he would be powerful. And the men who have him, they have his arms tied and they're yeah. pulling his... It seems like they're going to yank his arms off. Yeah. They're like torturing him but to they, where he's yelling. So she gives the command to her, to her henchmen basically and they slit his throat wide open and he starts to bleed out and he collapses. And then she summons something into herself and her face starts to transform into a wolf-like creature that's very disturbing and it's all the use, via the use of prosthetics it's really well done and then it quickly cuts away right and she's like yanking her her new animal face off like yeah. like, like yanking like flesh off it, yeah. it's very gory it's very gory but she puts his blood coming out of I guess coming out of him in the yeah. little vial. Mm-hmm. And then she's, I don't know if she's drinking it, but she pours no. it all over her her mouth or she something. Does pour, yeah, I think she just starts to ingest it. Um, but when we when we cut away from that, they, uh, it then takes us back to either his home or another home. or a, they, Yeah, they go home, to a home mm-hmm. and they're like peeling a wall away and it looks like there's people in body bags or something. It looks like it. And they're saying something that doesn't make a lot of sense about if they only had protection for them at a certain time or something. It, it's it not clear. It didn't really tie a lot of a lot of ends there at the end of that chapter. But yeah, um, maybe we're missing something. But it, it was very vague in its ending there. But it, this one had a lot of good visuals, and it mm-hmm. was scary. It you felt for the guy because there was something attacking him. So it was it was scary. And then oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, the next chapter is pretty, pretty, pretty out yeah, there. So out there. So we cut back again to the traveler, and uh, we start to learn more about uh, one of the trinkets that he has, which is the bullet. Right, mm-hmm. the bullet that is able to um, take down this uh, really um, malevolent evil spirit that's coming for him and for everyone else in his vicinity. And one of the detectives finds or remembers something that they have in their possession that is paired with the bullet. Do you remember what that is? It was like um, the gun of, I forgot the name of it. It was an old timey looking gun. Yeah. And so, and they said that that bullet was only effective through this old timey gun. And it was um, meant to hurt like old spirits or demons. It was the only thing that could get rid of them. Yeah. And so they didn't tell him right away that they had the gun, um, but they kind of acknowledged the gun. Yeah. And then he started talking about, it led into another story about these, it was like a group of friends. This one is entitled The Hammer of Zanzibar. And it starts off with like, from this group of friends, like two of them. And one of them was meeting up with like an old girlfriend in a restaurant and they were trying to talk about like what happened. So it has a lot of pieces to this one, but the the gist of it is that there was a group of friends that witnessed um, something they shouldn't have witnessed, which was like 
either a seance or a ceremony of something with old, was it old demons? Yeah, the, so uh, this character, his name in the story is Malcolm, and he goes to meet his ex-girlfriend in this cafe, and her name is Amy, and he is uh, very upset that she called him back to this cafe because they had recently broken up, and he asked her, why would you bring me here? Um, this is where we split up. And so she's trying to reconcile with him, I believe. And he's saying all of our friends from our, uh, that we knew were dead from our vacation, all of them have died. And she's like, what? That can't be. And he tells her, yes, this is what happened. And at some point in their conversation in the back and forth, he starts to um, put together the fact that this cannot be the same Amy that he knew. Yeah. Like he already knew it was that, that it was a, it was like um, the evil spirit, right? Someone else. Yeah, and so how? So what I really appreciated in this one was a specific scene um, when he reveals that he knows who she really is, that she is this zombie king or demon king. Can't really be sure who it was, but he, um, they're both seated at a table, and he tells this demon king um, person, like, I know how to take you down. And she's like, really? I'm interested in what you're going to do to take me down. And so she leans in when she does, uh, we see this shotgun firing, and it fires right up into her face. And and when she like um, is hit by this weapon, we see her turn around, and her real face is revealed. And, and she's like some like demon alien. Yeah. And it it does go back to like their story about whatever they saw or witnessed that they were all dying off one by one from the demons that they had witnessed um, there. So this was the last one against this guy. This was the last demon. The king king zombie demon or I believe it's okay, one of those something two. Something like that. It's a, it's a weird it's a weird uh, it, the makeup on this isn't really that impressive. Is it a legend or something? I, or? I'm not really sure. <laughs> but I mean so um, so he's trying to fight off this demon king and she is way too powerful and so um, he like she's kind of mocking him and, and saying that um, like there's no way you can defeat me, and he's like, oh yeah, I have um, this magical weapon that's really going to take you down. Yes, yes, and so this this is the um, the one that um, seems like like something from Quentin Tarantino, like with the the titles, the the way the music is, the There's a quick scene where the um after he tells her this like the the there's a freeze frame and the title pops up on the screen and you hear like a dun, 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 like very pulp fiction <laughs> and it shows the hammer of Zanzibar and we're taken back uh like in a flashback sequence. So they um go back and they talk about how they came about the hammer of Zanzibar, which is like the only weapon that would mm-hmm. defeat the demon king. Mm-hmm. And they it was when there was the other guy that had um, been defeated by another demon was alive. And then the main character. So they found this collector of oddities or somebody who fights um, these spirits. And they tell him what's going on and the guy is willing to help him. And he showed him like a a box or something that he had and he starts telling him this hilarious story about how he came across this demon and apparently the demon would come and visit him and it really sounded like um like as if he was just meeting with a lover Mm -hmm. because he was saying things about the demon demon like 
penetrating him or making yeah. rainbows in him or something <laughs> so it's it's this part this one is also really cringe for me because it basically goes into the the joke that this demon king had a relationship with this collector and he keeps making in the window saying that the demon king penetrated him and filled him with his residue yeah and it was like, oh, no. This is- it was hilarious. Yeah. And these guys are like, oh, you don't have to tell us this. And he was yeah. like, but I do. So what's the big reveal? That What's the weapon? So after all the hilariousness, um, the weapon looks like a huge, like, wood dildo. And that's what it was. That's mm-hmm. what was, I guess, penetrating that guy. Because yeah. he, he said that the demon... It sounded like a bad relationship. Like he stopped going to see him mm-hmm. as much, and um, he was treating him differently. And so the collector got upset and either like stabbed him or something, like yeah. in his sleep. Mm-hmm. And then that's how he came across the the hammer. And then we quickly cut cut back to Malcolm and Amy, or the Demon King, and he pulls out the dildo and he uses it as this majestic sword. And he starts attacking and whipping the ass of the Demon King. And we hear this punk Mexican rock band playing in the background <laughs> saying, and the lyrics of the song are something akin to like, I'm going to kill you, Demon King. I'm going to take you down. And it's really over the top. Way over the top. Like, yeah. way, <laughs> But he manages in this, you know, pretty, pretty decent action sequence to knock the Demon King on its feet. And then he says some just like some really badass character line and he kills the Demon King. And that's the end of the story there. It's it's pretty hilarious. It's hilarious eh. over the top. Yeah, very over the top. <laughs> it's like um, it it kind of that one was very divided from the other stories. Yeah. Very I, much so. I think that's why like, that's why I was like, all right, I'm done. Um I think at that point, like so I was very interested in the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think I really feel like after the zombie sequence, which was the second chapter. I was only finishing it just to say I finished it. Like, I just needed to see what the rest of it was. I was kind of watching it with, like, a um, very disappointed look on my face. (laughs) I don't think I was as hooked into it anymore. I just needed to see how it ended at that point. But we're coming to the end of the movie. So the Travelers is back in the police station. And the entire time he's talking to the detectives, they're not buying his story. Um, But then something happens and a mysterious cloaked figure starts to walk into the police station wearing a a sombrero and a long duster with these spurs on his boots. And he's walking in really slowly. And this is the character San La Muerte. Um, That's the main adversary of the traveler. And he walks into the police station and he uses his, um, his magic to make the officers in there pull out their weapons and kill one another. And he can force them away from him with a, a wave of his hand. And the way this is shot and the slow motion effect is really badass. I think um, it really made this uh, villain look very formidable. And so this is the char- This is the villain that the Traveler needs to defeat with his weapon, the gun, and the magical bullet. And so the detectives finally give that weapon to him and he's able to, uh, to confront San La Muerte. So the... The story between the Traveler and the San La Muerte was really great. So he had this backstory that he's um, from the Travelers from the Aztec era. And that he had made a deal a long time ago with San La Muerte for his wife not to die. Mm -hmm. 
and he got afraid and he ran away. So the wife ended up dying and he's been running from San La Muerte this whole time. So he's, the traveler has been like um, immortal. Right. But the only thing that can kill him that's been following him is the San La Muerte. That's why the traveler wanted to not be in a police station because he's he, he can't stay stagnant for too long. Right. Or he'll catch up with him. He said the longest that he's been able to keep this away or keep away from San Lamuet that it has been, what, 12 hours or so? Yeah. But he always has to keep moving. He can't stay in one spot for long, too long or else San Lamuet they will catch up with him. Um, but he's able to defeat him. He shoots the, the, the gun right at San Lamuet there, blasting him away and his spirit vaporizes into the air. But he still has to escape. Um, he still has to run away. So he gets in a car... And he gets on the highway, and then he is pulled over by another officer a few towns over, which, when you think about it, doesn't really make sense because you know, if there was this police station that was being, um, you know, taken down, yeah, and- wouldn't you think that they would call in other, you know, <laughs> um, other substations, other districts to come and help? But for some reason, this highway patrolman is not aware of what's going on, but he pulls him over. Um, that is true. I didn't think about that. He was yeah. in a cop car. Yeah, that too. And like he, when he escaped the police station, he was wearing like a cop outfit, mm-hmm. like or like a cop jacket as a disguise. And then, so he pulls him over, and the cop knocks on his window, and he asks him, like, "Where are you going so fast?" And the traveler kind of just looks over at him, saying, uh, "Like, if I tell you, uh, or, if, or if you don't let me go, we're all gonna die." <laughs> yeah. And so it, it, the movie just kind of ends at that point. So the this one though the character the San La Muerte character mm-hmm. was beautiful in the costume yeah like the way you described it the sombrero like the face looked mm-hmm. like a like a person mask but it was like an old man looking very skeletal it it looked frightening I think this is what if you if you do a search for Satanic Hispanics and you'll see the the poster for the movie yeah uh, that's the character uh, San La Muerte who he confronts at the very end. When his costume came off mm-hmm. and he was just like this ancient looking, kind of stone looking. Is it Mayan or is it Aztec? It looked Aztec or Mayan with like a veil. Yeah. But it also looked stone. It was very scary looking. Yeah. so do, Very effective. So do a search for Satanic Hispanics and you'll see the poster and you'll see who we're talking about. So we'll see a beautiful rib cage with uh, ornamental garb and a veil um, and with large earrings, very archaic, and it looks pretty damn great the way yeah. they, they made this yeah, they villain did. look. They did a good job on their um, movie poster. Right. Um, so you see a lot of... Because it kind of looks like the Virgen with the yes, roses, and right. it's like all holy. Right. The, the poster itself looks gorgeous, actually. Yeah, they they did really a great good. job on it. Um, so that's the story. That's the whole movie in a nutshell. I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it. See it once. Um, there, there are chapters that are a little better than others, but they're different styles. So it might be someone's cup of tea. You know, they're they're all different styles. So these are five stories from five different Latino directors, and regardless of how we feel about the tone of of each chapter. They are all, they have uh, this unique perspective that uh, comes from their influence, from their background, and they have this artistic style that is unique to each of them, which I really, when, you, when I really think about it, it really is something that is uh, to be appreciated and yeah. to, be, uh, to be seen. I gave it a six out of ten. 
So Zelda gives it a 6 out of 10. I, I initially was less impressed, but when I'm going back and thinking about this a little bit more, I would say 6 out of 10 is pretty there's, fair. There's a lot to appreciate yeah. from it, yeah. But I think my my initial impression going in was that it was going to be straight, serious, tone, creepy, akin to um, like many of the other um, really grisly, spooky movies out there. But you really have to take this in a whole as different viewpoints from different Hispanic directors. And so it is worth a watch. I did go into it thinking it was going to be a bit different, but um, I wasn't disappointed. It was entertaining. Yeah, I think initially I was disappointed, but when I really think about it, it, it is something that is unique. Yeah. And you don't see these type of movies with this type of limited premiere uh, very often. Usually we're, we're presented with franchise sequels, and something like this is really special and needs to be seen at least once to uh, provide that different viewpoint from these directors. Um, so you can watch the movie online. It's available anywhere you get streaming movies such as Prime, uh, Shutter, Redbox, Video on Demand. So check it out. And it's called Satanic Hispanics. Satanic Hispanics. Not Satanic Mechanics, Not what satanic I've been mechanics. calling it this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, this is a movie that was made by Hispanics. Um, for a white audience, and Zelda and I both being Hispanic of Hispanic descent, um, this is something that we really wanted to support and spread the word about, and to get all of you to to talk about and and to get this movie out there to be seen. Very impressed. So check it out now. So that is it for today's episode of Blazada Beats and Blood. We will be continuing to do uh, more reviews of scary movies in the near future and if you have a story or if you all have a movie that you'd like to have reviewed you can get in contact with the podcast via email at blazadaproductions at gmail.com we are also on instagram at underscore blazada underscore and also on tiktok so reach out to us uh, leave us your review of today's episode and as always to all of you thanks for listening What are your top five? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So my top five um, would be It Follows. Um, it would be um, The Conjuring. I love that one. Uh, I would definitely say that one. Um, I would definitely say um, Skinamarink oh, is up yeah. there because it just creates a lot of dread. Um, there's also The Poltergeist. And... I would also say another one that gives me chills is The Bone Woman. Ooh, I thought you were going to say Supira. Supira is very disturbing, and I don't really enjoy it that much. <laughs> Was that five or four? I think I enjoy that one.